Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to episode 48 of Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles of Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, James Egan, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Dean. Jordan, we're heading to week two of college football. Um, it's going to be an amazing weekend anyway because the NFL kicks off as well. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of football now. Uh, but staying on the college route, there's some good matchups this week. Dude, yeah, there certainly is, I think, uh we have a potential preview of, um, I mean, if they, I don't know if they both will make it, but this is this is a to me a playoff type of game here in week two with a game like Texas, Texas and Bama. No doubt, and we'll get to that uh, in a, uh, a little bit later in the episode. Uh, first, let's start with our Michigan Wolverines, one and zero, coming off a thirty to three victory at home over East Carolina. Um, they're gonna play the UNLV Rebels in their upcoming matchup in week two at the Big House. Um, UNLV, um, not a powerhouse team, obviously. Um, you know, they played, uh, they played Bryant university, uh, 144 to 14. Uh, they actually played in uh, Vegas at the Raiders stadium, uh, for that game. Uh, but they're coming in one and Uh, but this is a mountain West team, uh, that I expect Michigan will have no problem. Uh, probably up big at halftime. Um, probably a little more scoring than they did on ECU. I'd expect Michigan, you know, another week in, uh, another week of practice, kind of cleaning up some stuff from game one. Um, I'd expect the throttles down a little bit more in this game. Despite that, we're going to have two coaches. Uh, I think it's Jay Harbaugh in the first half, Mike Hart in the second half. Um, but your your initial thoughts on going into this matchup, what we may see on the Michigan side. Um, I think we will stay as vanilla as possible on offense, run our basic crap, uh, try not to show too much. Uh, you know, I think we're going to see, uh, you know, another balanced approach just to keep showing that we are for real on this year in that way. We're not just talking about it, but being about it. Um, obviously the big goal of the game come out healthy. Um, and if to me, you know, if Will Johnson's still not feeling back to normal page and more, which is another game where I feel like they can kind of rest up, maybe get a couple of series and be done for the day. Um, now just continue to improve and get ready to go for conference play. And I don't know you say we're going to be balanced, but you got to remember Mike Hart's going to be calling the shots in the second <laughs> half. Uh, no, but I do think they'll be pretty balanced again. I do think it'll be a lot of vanilla concept, um, but I do think there might be a little more emphasis on uh, that run game getting a little cleaned up. Um, you know, having a little bit more of a healthier run game, uh, getting one of the backs over a hundred yards, um, just looking a little bit more like Michigan the last couple of years. Uh, you know, again, we talked about in the last episode a little bit, but not that they struggled against ECU, but it wasn't the cleanest um, run production that we've seen uh, from Michigan in years past. So I expect they'll want to get that cleaned up a little bit. Uh, that way they're uh, feeling truly dangerous uh, doing both, uh, you know, running the ball and passing. Obviously, uh, J.J. McCarthy, it's going to be hard to be uh, – uh, improve on his last performance given uh, his high completion percentage ranking and just very efficient with the ball. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, so to learn a little bit more about UNLV or to get to know them a little better, uh, like I said, 44-14 to 14 victory in week one. Um, UNLV is going to want to establish the run. That's what they're going to come in here doing. Uh, they rushed for 280-something uh, yards. Uh, I think it was 283 yards on Bryant. Again, 
no one knows who Brian is, so that, that's not saying a ton. Um, but quarterback's a runner. They got a couple running backs that both uh, played well in that game. So UNLV is going to want to come in here. They did not pass the ball very well. They're going to want to establish the run game, whether there's some option, uh, getting running back and quarterback involved and things like that. Um, obviously, Michigan's defense, very good against the run, so this will be interesting to see if they can really – if they really shut down what UNLV wants to do, I expect they will. Um, but you know, that's it. It's really Michigan's got to take on that challenge and, uh, you know, obviously be disciplined in what they do watching the quarterback and running back when they're both threats like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just load the box, shut the run, shut the run down, make them one dimensional and, uh, move on. (laughs) Absolutely. On the flip side of that, uh, UNLV gave up 179 yards on the ground to Bryant. Um, And, you know, we just talked about how Michigan could be a big bounce back opportunity. I'd say if Bryant can rush for 179 on Michigan should have a decent day on the ground as well. Um, And again, you know, it goes back to that balance attack, right? Uh, Michigan might not commit to running, you know, 70, 60% of their offense, you know, offensive calls being run plays. So, you know, they might not hit that yardage, but I'd expect a couple more big runs. I'd expect a little bit more of a healthier yard per carry average, uh, you know, team-wise. Um, and, and this is a good opportunity to get that get that on film, uh, get the players feeling a little bit uh, better about the production in that area of the offense, and uh, go from there. Yeah, I agree, man. I think uh, we just got to do what we do, and uh, we will – you know, get 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 good on tape for what we can do for moving forward. Absolutely, and you know, we talked about it a little bit last episode. This is definitely a game I'd expect a good amount of opportunities for backups to get back in again. Um, I know Mullins and uh, Hall both got some carries, not a ton, but in the last game, I'd expect the backups are probably in a little bit sooner in this game if everything's going to go as expected for Michigan. Yeah, Harbaugh did announce, too, that uh, week two will be Tuttle as the backup quarterback. Um, so once the starters get pulled at this way that we are assuming they will, we'll see J- uh, Jack Tuttle be in the game. And then whether we see anybody else like Alex Orgy or something like that is to be determined. Yeah, you know, will we see him in packages um, like we've brought up in the past? Or, you know, are they going to save that for Big Ten play? Um, is he, you know, are they staying strict in the sense of, Hey, Warren got one game one. Uh, when the backups came in, Tuttle's getting game two, and then game three, we're gonna plan on Alex Orgy if we get to that point. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Cause you know, honestly, I, I feel like uh, Orgy's probably you can probably run the offense in terms of especially the rollouts, getting J, you know using JJ's dual threat ability. Alex Orgy's probably the most similar in that aspect compared to. Uh, uh, Warren and uh, Tuttle, right? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, he it, it's objectively true that the 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 talent level as far as physicalities and what he brings to the table, he has the you know, he's the biggest arm, he's the biggest physique, the fastest student on our roster as a, as a quarterback. Like he he does it all. So I JJ's obviously our guy, but you know, Alex Orgy has his own special skill set. Absolutely. And you know, if it, Hopefully no injuries occur, to, especially in the quarterback room, but you'd have to believe 
if hands if it came down to an orgy probably gives us the best chance to win in terms of what he's probably able to do and maybe you know if that came up Michigan goes kind of dual threat or you know dual quarterbacks which you know I don't love but between Tuttle and Orgy uh, but if Orgy proves he can at least pass a little bit you'd have to imagine he's your best option uh, in a situation like that. Yeah, no doubt, because, I mean, as we know, in 2021, I mean, when Cade was our quarterback, um, we didn't have to have a quarterback run game very much. Um, I think we're still built that way, so if we need to rely on Donovan and uh, Corum to, you know, be our, be our bell cows and maybe have a one or two run opportunity as a, for a quarterback play, but um, no, we'll, we'll, I trust the staff to make the right call for who the backup quarterback will be. I just don't think they have an official number two yet. Yeah, you know, let the competition play out, especially when you have some games like this. Just, you know, you have the opportunity to get these reps in a game setting. Uh, why not take advantage of that? Nothing better than game reps. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really with UNLV, the basic keys to the game are really Michigan needs to is going to, you know, attempt to establish the run on UNLV, and Michigan's going to need to shut down the run on defense as that is what UNLV is going to try to do. Uh, They are better running the ball than they are uh, throwing the ball, moving the ball through the air. So quick recap. I I don't know. Like we talked in the last show, I'd like to see, uh, you know, number wide wide receiver three, you know, whether that's more Clemens, someone else to make some plays outside of CJ and uh, Roman Wilson. So now we're improving in that area. Yeah, um, absolutely, and you know maybe with more back, they'll be a little more, I don't want to say creative, but he'll focus in on a couple more opportunities for you know those those guys to be the first or second option, a passing uh, play concept, and whatnot, just to see what they what they do when the numbers called upon, right? Um, and you, know, I mean, we know what Wilson and Johnson are capable of. They've been in the offense for a couple of years now. They've both. Uh, had plenty of big plays and stepped up in big big ways in different games throughout the last couple of years. Uh, we know what we have in Loveland at tight end. Uh, obviously, we definitely know what we have with both running backs, running and passing the ball. So, or you know, them receiving the ball. Uh, so, you know, maybe he gives them the opportunity. You know, hey, Clemens or more, we're, we're calling your number on this one. There's a good chance you can get the ball. Uh, let's see what you do when you get get your number called, um, and you can truly evaluate it that way. Absolutely, I look forward to it. Yes, sir. So uh, that's going to be our, you know, breakdown UNLV again. Uh, these early games, we don't want to bore bore the listeners with, oh, well, this guy's a junior from the state of you know Florida, and he's done this, this, and this in his career. Guys, we know Michigan's going to win this game big. We don't want to bore you with stuff like that. Um, so you know, we'll give you a brief brief preview of what what we kind of expect to see things like that. But at the end of the day, um, it's just, it's not worth having a 40 minute conversation about. Um, but with that said, uh, we do have an updated AP poll now, uh, for the recording of this episode, as well as we want to talk some week two matchups around, uh, the big 10 in the uh, country. So, uh, starting with the AP poll, Jordan, uh, Michigan doesn't move. Uh, I'd say the biggest mover up Florida state, from eight to four after a big win over LSU. Uh, LSU falls to number 14 from number five. Uh, Clemson fell all the way to 25 um, after losing to Duke 28 to seven on the road. Uh, Duke comes up from unranked to 21st. Uh, but I think the big thing I want to start with 
Um, and I know we've talked about this in past episodes uh, over the time, uh, over you know the period of doing this podcast. Um, if I was the AP poll uh, committee or you know whoever gets the votes, I would have personally um, rewarded Florida State for you know having a big time matchup like that, beating a top five opponent. I'd have threw them right to number one because to me that's impressive that they took that chance or you know they they scheduled that knowing. The risk of that when you have Georgia, who played Tennessee Martin, Michigan played East Carolina, and Alabama played Middle Tennessee. I would reward the tough schedule and put them to one uh, off the rip and let the rest sort, sort itself out throughout the, the year. Not to mention the AP poll is in the playoff poll. So at the end of the day, the AP poll essentially doesn't matter. So, I mean, you could take that argument either way that it doesn't matter of how it is. Uh, but that's just how I look at it. Re- reward teams for starting off with a tough schedule because... You know, we talked about it a little bit, and I said the loser of Florida State LSU, uh, that's a that's a dagger in your playoff hopes. You know, LSU, you can argue they have to go undefeated now, really, to make the playoffs uh, from this point forward. And Florida State would have been in the same situation had they lost to LSU. And you know, Florida State's schedule, even if they won out with a loss, if they had lost, who knows if eleven and one Florida State has a tough enough schedule in the committee's eyes over some other teams if it played out where, you know, hey, we got undefeated Georgia, one-loss Michigan, one-loss Bama sort of situation. Um, is one-loss Florida State better than those? You know, so, um, well, I, I want to get your opinion on it. No, I, I think you and I are very similar in this way. You know, uh, if you're going to play a tough opponent, you should be rewarded for it if you get that W. I do think just based on where college football is at with the current playoff format, um, obviously next year it changes. Um, I am of the opinion just because, you know, we don't get the rankings until later in the year. I don't think it's worth it at, for a program to schedule quote unquote meaningful games early on just for the hell of it. Uh, just to showcase that we are, you know, we are that team. Um, you can do it all the power to you, but, um, I think potentially with the expansion, uh, to 12 teams next year, we may see we may see more of that. I mean, granted, Michigan next year has Texas, right? So, you know, and that and also Oklahoma in the years to come too. So we are we're we're creating a tougher non-conference, and I think maybe part of that uh, is because you know with the expansion, maybe there was some stuff that they didn't know at the time. Who knows? Um, but uh, we will, uh, you know, we'll play that when that time comes. But I, as of right now, I I don't really look into much of uh you know teams that like georgia who play cream puffs you know bama does it georgia does it just get through to get your conference get ready to go for conference play yeah and like you said a lot of schools do it um that's why i would reward winners of the big schools um but yeah i i agree because i feel like once we get to this 12 team playoff um you're gonna see something similar to like college basketball you know when we get to tournament time right. we're talking about Oh well, this school had a good loss here and a good lo- like. There's gonna be such thing as good losses all of a sudden when we get to 12 teams right. because obviously more teams are in, but you're gonna have a lot of teams closer in the sense of okay, who's getting in at the 10, 11, 12 seed and who's the first three or four teams out because right now it's kind of it's not cut and dry, but it's kind of cut cut and dry in the sense of no team. In the country is going to get in with two losses. Like you have to be undefeated, or you cannot have more than one loss to get into the four-team playoff as it currently stands. 
So you don't usually have more than maybe one or two schools left out of the playoffs with a resume of one or no losses, right? Well, when you get the 12 teams, you're going to have more schools that don't make it that are going to be flirting with two or three losses that could potentially now make the back end of a 12-team playoff format. So now you're going to be talking, well, you know, let's say, you know, nine and uh, or uh, 10 and two Penn State, uh, you know, lost to number two and a 12 and 0 Michigan and also lost to number uh, six, 11 and one Ohio State. Uh, you know, they're they had two really good losses at 10 and two, but this, um, I don't know, Tennessee team is 11 and one. You know, they lost, but they lost bad to Alabama. Uh, you know, Oh, Penn State, you know, was ranked. You know, their their two losses are are good losses opposed to Alabama's blowout loss, right? Or uh, Tennessee's blowout loss to Alabama. Right. So I think you bring a lot more sticky stuff into the situation. But you know, schools might say, okay, let's start playing tougher opponents because losing to someone in week one, two, three doesn't necessarily derail my season or what we're trying to trying to achieve at the end of the year like it does right now. How a loss like LSU's loss to Florida State is very detrimental to what they have to do the rest of the season now because they have to go out. They have to beat, uh, uh, win out their schedule because there's no way they're going to make a playoff appearance with two losses. I, I totally agree. So I think, I know what we'll see probably more, like, like you said, more competitive games early on in the season uh, from a lot of different schools around the country. Yeah, and just looking at LSU's schedule, um, they—I mean—they're at Alabama later this year. Um, you know, Auburn won't be easy. Ole Miss not necessarily an easy game. Um, so they—they—they have their work cut out for them, obviously. Um, any any surprise teams that uh, flew up into the uh, rankings? Um, uh, this after after week one or any any surprises that are not ranked yet still, in your opinion, are you pretty comfortable with what we're seeing? Um, I'm pretty comfortable with what we're seeing. Um, I mean, good for Duke, right? I mean, unranked to 21. I mean, makes sense, right? And they smoke Clemson. Um, I would say yes. Notre Dame has started hot. I don't know if they are the 10th best team in the country right now. Uh, So, I mean, maybe to me that's a stretch. I think maybe they're more like where Utah's at at number 12. Um, Time will tell, obviously, in a few weeks. Um, I understand why Ohio State got jumped back to five just based on their performance. Um, So, I mean, as as a whole, I, 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 I agree with it for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I don't think we actually brought it up in our last episode when we were kind of recapping some week one games, but uh, Utah moves up two spots to number 12, and I was pretty impressed with their performance. Uh, obviously, without Cam Riser, their uh, usual starting quarterback. Uh, they, they play, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think Florida's very good, but I give Utah a lot of credit for winning the game the way they did. Um, you know, their defense played well as expected, uh, but their offense was pretty efficient hit on a couple deep plays. Uh, they, they looked pretty good uh, not having one of their best players in the lineup. Absolutely. I, I, I respect that coaching staff a lot. Coach Whittingham has done a great job year in and year out for what he what he ultimately gets in recruiting. I think, you know, 
with uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them as uh, you know the expansion of the playoff because they that, they're one of those bubble teams, right? And I think they, they they could be somewhere anywhere between six and twelve uh, each year moving forward for the for those playoff spots. Yeah, and I mean, I mean Utah is one of those sleepers to win the Pac-12. I know uh, really? USC. Caleb Williams, Heisman, everything, but you got to remember Utah was the team that kept USC out of the playoffs last year in the Pac-12 championship game. So uh, yeah, USC it doesn't like playing defense. So at at some point you you have to get stops and, and be able to play big boy football late in the year. And if you can't get stops, um, you're, you're not going to do it. So uh, I they I, it's very possible Utah could be that that uh, that thorn in the side for a lot of the uh, Pac-12 teams like Oregon and uh, UCLA as they fight for the title yeah they're i mean the pac-12 actually has quite quite a four-team monster there in the sense of usc washington utah and oregon that are going to have to kind of sort themselves out throughout the the course of the season washington's legit man i'm not i'm i like what they're doing over there I, i'm a I big Penix gonna... fan if he can stay healthy <laughs> man i mean he he washington's got a they got a chance i'll, I'll say they that do. They, do. they do um and then getting to week two matchups um you know, I, the one that we obviously that highlights the week is the big matchup, uh, Texas and Alabama. Um, I mean, that this could be one of the games of the year. And last year, uh, you know, going back, it, it was a really good football game. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers got hurt in that game, and Texas only lost by a point. Really felt like Alabama just struggled to get things going. Bryce Young was under assault. Uh, the, the offensive line was not holding up well. Um, and you really feel like if Ewers doesn't get hurt in that game, Texas might have got the victory. But now Texas is going to head to Alabama uh, for a 7 o'clock game on ESPN, number 3 Alabama, number 11 Texas. Uh, what do you kind of expect in this game? Because I, I think this is going to be a real fun game to watch, another real close bl- battle similar to the last year. Yeah, I agree with you. It will be interesting. To, to me, it's going to fall down to Alabama's offense and their quarterback. Um, you know, I still think they're figuring that out. Um, you know, I, I think that we know who their starter is going to be. Uh, but can he – I mean, he's very, very athletic, um, can extend plays. He's a, he's a tank of a person. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's massive. Um, yeah, Jalen uh, Milrow, correct? Yeah, yeah Jalen Milrow, yeah, but he's – he, he, so he he's got the talent to do it, um, but under under a big time game, Texas getting after him because if to me you know Bryce Young, the number one overall draft pick, Heisman Trophy winner, struggled against Texas last year. We're going now we're going to an unproven guy, um, so I, I think Texas, though they're walking into Bama, has the advantage, has the returning quarterback, has a lot of uh, returning defensive players. Um, obviously they lost B. John Robinson, uh, but they still have some running back depth. Um, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a part of me that thinks this is actually going to I want to get out of hand, but like a 17 to 20 win, or excuse me, 17 to 20 point win for Texas potentially. I mean, if it's the year that it's going to happen, this is the year. Cause you feel like, like you said, Alabama kind of was replacing a lot last year. Their offensive line play wasn't great. It was, you know, it wasn't. And again, Alabama's a very good football team, but, we got to remember Alabama established a dynasty over the last 10 years. So when we say it's the Alabama standard, that's, that's elite, right? So insane. They weren't as good as in years past, still a very good football team, 
But they weren't hands down an elite group that we all feared nationwide, right? Like, yeah, I don't want to play Alabama, but this team has some flaws uh, compared to Alabama teams in the past. And I agree with you. I, I This is either a close football game or if someone's going to kind of get the edge, uh, I could see Texas kind of going, uh, kind of not, not going to say run away with it, but I could see them getting out to a double uh, you know, a, a multi-possession lead at some point in this game uh, as it goes on. I will say, as a devil's advocate, I guess, though I said what I just said about Texas, outside of Kirby Smart, historically, uh, Nick Saban protégés, Nick Saban coaches that leave, do not have a success against that man. So, and Steve Sarkeesian is one of those guys. He had that game last year. So, I don't know if they got the Kirby Smart, you know, antidote to be able to get it done, but uh, that that is something to consider. Listen, I'm here for just the ever-changing college football world, and I, you know, I you know, we t- mentioned Florida State in the last episode. How hey, they looked really good, dominant week one against a pretty good opponent. At least we think LSU's going to be good this year. They should be good this year. Um, and we looked at their schedule slay. Hey, you know, we're playing the schedule game, obviously, but hey, like, you know, Clemson didn't look that great, and Clemson kind of looked like the hardest team on their schedule this year. Obviously got to play the games, but same with Texas, man. I mean, if Texas, Texas looks like they're going to be legit, and I thought this kind of before the season, and when you look at their schedule, it's like, man, oh, yeah. Texas doesn't look like they have a lot standing in their way. Uh, it was the Alabama game and the Oklahoma game, and I'm I'm – Oklahoma to me is not going to be the same Oklahoma as we've seen in years past. Again, not bad. I just don't think they're going to be like an 11 win football team. Alabama too. I'm again, don't think Alabama is going to be bad, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Alabama was a nine and three football team this year, opposed to an 11 and one football team. Right. Um, It's it's very possible. And I mean, like you said, this is the year for Texas. I mean, last year in the big 12, right. So, and and then they're moving over to the SEC territory, which I'm not saying they won't be relevant in the SEC, but the journey will be much, much more difficult. Um, So it's very possible. And I know that they're one of your playoff teams and if they beat Bama, um, which we've both said is very possible, um, Texas could easily and will be a playoff team. And at that point, uh, depending on matchup, they could be, big time considerations for being in the championship game. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm all for like a four conference, four team playoff. Like <laughs> if we got Georgia, Michigan, Florida state and Texas in there, I, I, I think that'd be awesome just because it's, it's nice when you get multiple conferences yeah. involved, not just, you know, two teams from one or two teams from uh, two. Like it, it, it's nice when you can divvy it up and be like, okay, uh, each conference, or I guess you can't say each conference has a representative, but you know, four of the five conferences have a representative. And even in that scenario, you still got to remember USC and Washington, Utah are out there. Like the Pac-12 has a great chance of having a representative too. So it's it's going to be really interesting because there's going to be a couple conferences that kind of eat themselves alive, kind of like the Pac-12 did last year. Like yep. the big dogs in that conference kind of all lost to one another. The Big Ten could be in danger that this year with Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. Like that's, it, it's going to be a, a tough, tough road to the playoffs this year, no doubt. Especially when you look at okay, Florida State, Texas, uh, potentially two teams that not everyone thought could get there. Uh, they might have a good path there if uh, things work out as kind of anticipated. 
Don't forget about those Tennessee Volunteers either, man. I oh, think they're right. there. Tennessee, they, are, they look good. They, are, they look good, and uh, the, the, I think they could be the, the, the surprise team uh, to potentially get in the top four. Absolutely. Two more games I want to get to really quick. One is yep. going to be Colorado's home opener uh, against Nebraska. Um, again, Colorado, good victory in week one, no doubt. They Very impressive, especially like you said in the last episode, offensively outstanding. Um but I also think TCU is not going to be very good this year. To me, they're a five-six win football team. They lost a lot from that national championship uh, runner-up team uh, a year ago. Um, I think Colorado beats Nebraska, but I think this game is closer than people expect. Like I think a lot of the media, a lot of Colorado just fans in general, are like, oh man, they just beat TCU, who was in the national championship last year, ranked seventeenth this year. Like, they're going to run over Nebraska, who's allergic to winning games. And while that might be true, and while I expect Nebraska to still lose this game, they have a formal defense, and I think Colorado kind of on that emotional high is going to come down. Like, I'm not going to say they're going to be slow, but you know, they might be a little uh, not as fast out of the gate as they were in this past game. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they handle the emotion, especially, and I guess like the, it's not even a good example because they replaced so many people. I was going to say they only had one or two wins last year, so, like, how do they kind of handle this? But it's a whole new team. So I guess when you transfer that many people out of there, I can't really make that reference. So I'll retract that statement, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. You know, new team, young team, a lot of new guys together. How do they handle coming off a big emotional victory uh, in week one on the road against a ranked opponent coming home uh, for their home opener? Um, That's, that's just one that interests me at the, at the noon hour. You know, let's not forget. I mean, yes, I, I understand Nebraska. It feels like they, they can never win a big time game or, you know, they haven't been able to get out of this carousel of coaches the last few years. I mean, I'm not saying Matt Rule is the savior of Nebraska, but Matt Rule is a good football coach. Um, and I, I think they're going to fix a lot of the mistakes. Um, Jeff Sims, transferred from Georgia Tech, uh, obviously he struggled in week one, had three interceptions. Um, but this is a very, very athletic individual. Um, and when you have a running quarterback, if you can't keep him in the pocket, if you don't hit your run fits, um, and Colorado struggled against TCU's run game, which for the record wasn't anything to write home about. You know, they have a couple good backs, but their quarterback wasn't anything crazy. Um, if you're not careful, you could find yourself in a dogfight for sure. Um, I just don't know if, uh, Nebraska has enough firepower to, for four quarters, hang with uh, that Colorado's offense because they, they are explosive. Yeah, they look good, no doubt. And like I said, I do expect Colorado to win this game. I'm just just curious to see, I guess, the maturity level of Colorado and how they handle it. Like, Can they keep yeah. business as usual, or do they kind of get lost in the limelight that seems to be over them with the media right now? Yeah, I think you said in the last in our last show, I think we both expect them to beat Nebraska, beat Colorado State, and then – uh, get a uh, get a rude awakening at Eugene and uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then the last game, personally, I'm kind of interested in at 3:30, Richmond at Michigan State. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Iowa <laughs> <laughs> traveling to Iowa State. Um, just kind of interesting how you know Iowa kind of responds off the 24 to 14 victory over Utah State. Again, Iowa started hot pretty early in that game. Uh, you know, two 
two offensive touchdowns to start that game on the first two drives. McNamara looked good tossing the ball around the yard. Um, but, you know, like I said, it kind of leveled out, keeled out, and they kind of went into cruise control of, okay, our defense has this. They're not going to give up, you know, more than the points we've already scored sort of scenario, you know, Iowa being them conservative selves. But uh, rivalry game on the road. I'm curious to see if that, that offense translates over to Iowa State. And I know Iowa State hasn't been the best in years, but the spread on this game is only uh, four points in favor of Iowa. Uh, so, I mean – Vegas, who usually has a pretty good idea of these games, thinks it's going to be close at least. I'm not going to lie. I don't know a ton about Iowa State this year, um, but it's a rivalry game nonetheless, and I'm just kind of interested to see how Iowa looks in, in such an environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Matt Campbell as a coach. Um, I think he his dudes are always ready to play. You know, they play hard. Um, they do have... A, there was some hype around their new quarterback, Rocco Betch. I think it's Betch. I could be Rebecca. I'm not really sure how to <laughs> pronounce it, but um, at, from the offseason, some stuff I've I seen a couple things about him. You know, he's a freshman, 6'1, 205, had a pretty good day against Northern Iowa. Um, I, pretty athletic. Um, so I, I do think it's going to be an Iowa victory, but I do think you're right. I think it's going to be a four quarter game. Absolutely. Uh... Any other games that interest you on the slate this week? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, stand out. Stand out. Um, I think uh, NC State, Notre Dame is interesting. Notre Dame on the road at NC State. NC State has, last few years, had a couple big-time wins against top 25 opponents. Um, so I think it's going to be a good test for Notre Dame to see if they can go on the road and get Something done there. Um, Texas A&M versus Miami, interesting. Um, I, I, I didn't Texas A&M didn't look terrible, but they didn't look great either. Uh, Miami, I expect to win that game at home. Um, and then a weird one to me, I didn't know they were playing this year is Ole Miss, Tulane. You know, I have two top 25 teams. Uh, I don't. I, I think that might just be a shootout. Um, Tulane has a pretty explosive offense. I know we're talking about Tulane here, but hey, Tulane. You know, I like Tulane's color scheme. I mean, I know that's kind of random, but you got to look good yeah, to play good, good, you know, as Cam Newton would say. Um, so I think that would be the uh, only other one that I'd, I'll keep a loose eye on because um, I do like Lane Kiffin's offense, and I think they're pretty explosive. Yeah, there's two night games I'm looking at in the Big Ten. Um, one Friday night, uh, Illinois at Kansas. Uh, kind of yep. just curious to see how Illinois rebounds after a pretty good season last year. Um, you know, Kansas, they have a solid football team. Um, especially offensively, and I'm just kind of curious. I interested to see how Illinois' defense looks this year. They lost a couple players: Devin Witherspoon, uh, uh, Sidney Brown mm-hmm. to the draft. Um, so, how do they reload, and um, how do they kind of look this year? And you know, you can say the same thing offensively: how they look too. Have have they reloaded? Do they have? You know, I, I doubt they have another Chase Brown, but do they have an efficient running game still? Uh, do they have someone to place uh, DeVito, the quarterback from last year? Um, so just kind of get a pulse on what Illinois might be this year. And then also Wisconsin traveling out to Washington State uh, at 7.30 on Saturday night. Expect Wisconsin to win that game, but just curious to see how they look traveling out west and you know how they play uh, you know in the different time zones, per se. What a beautiful time it is, Chad. What a beautiful time of year it is, Chad. Dude, I, I love, love... <laughs> 
the fact that I could fall asleep to a football game. Like I literally went to bed. It's 1130. You know, my wife is already asleep. I'm kind of just like, all right, there's like two or three games on still. And all right, you know, I think I'm going to fall asleep to this one. I think I ended up falling asleep with Iowa and Stan- or uh, Iowa, Hawaii and Stanford on. Uh, obviously, games in Hawaii start like super late. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, just a fun time of year, man. I love that you can, we can start watching games at noon and games are literally on to like 2.30 a.m. So <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's love great. this time of year. Love, love, love it. So, uh, but with that said, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, again, uh, guys, Michigan, UNLV, um, you know, I guess we can, we can give our score prediction because we didn't actually do that uh, when we were talking about the game, but... Jordan, what would you say? I know it's going to be a lot to a little, but let's put, let's put a number on it. Um, I think this is the week Michigan actually gets the shutout. Um, I'm going to go 42 nothing. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Oof. I think you're going to get a 50 burger. I'm going to go 53 to six. Okay. Okay. So I, uh, you know, I think. I think it's a lot to a little, but yeah, like I, like I wanted to say, um, you know, kind of like I said earlier, it's just, it's not worth it for the listeners or anything to spend, you know, 30 minutes talking Michigan UNLV, the matchup of the week two. Um, you know, when we get to some bigger games, especially once we get to big 10 conference play, um, we'll have a little bit more in depth, a little more time spent on previewing these games. Same with the recaps a little bit, but uh, until we get there in a couple weeks, uh, just you know, brief overviews, get familiar with the team. But remember, you know, Michigan's probably going to win these games by 30, 40 points uh, at the very least. So uh, with that said, we're going to wrap up this one. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Co- Podcasts by searching the Victors-Michigan Pod- Podcast. You can also subscribe to Between the Whistles on uh, Whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. That's the big, best way to grow grow our pod, and you know we're looking looking to do that. Uh, we we had a good audience last year, but you know first year in. Now we're in our second year, and we're hoping to you know get a little more reach each and every uh, season we do this. Um, so we'd appreciate that. Um, but again, thanks for tuning in, and go blue, go blue.